Welcome to the Denverse Summer League Edition as Quinn and I just got back from Vegas. Vegas, baby. A quick 36-hour jaunt in the hottest place on planet Earth um, for Summer League hype. It was quite the trip, Derek. How are you feeling after... I've recovered. Yeah. Now that we've had a day in between, I feel like I'm back to normal. Um, it was quite a trip. I think the biggest thing that I learned is Summer League is not really about the games. No. It's, I think that it feels a lot like if you were a scout, like that's what your life is like. You're going to watch games that may not be great. You may only care about three or four players. But it's sort of the atmosphere around Summer League that really like draws you into it. Yeah, that's it was really interesting. I mean, the Strip is a giant place, but seeing all the jerseys um, of different fans, it's like, okay, these we are amongst some of the most diehard people to come out here. Um, but yeah, it was it became very clear early on. It's like. Mm, this is an NBA basketball. This is no. So we were at the Tuesday game, which the Nuggets lost to the Celtics. They were right there at the end of the third quarter, and then completely fell apart. The main storyline was Taco Fall for Boston, which it was not his best game. No, not at all. Um, I saw the highlights from his game last night. I guess it would have been Thursday night, and he was just a beast on the defensive end. And we didn't see that at all in the game we went. No, to. I think maybe one block um, against. I think like a six-foot guard for the Nuggets. Like it was the type of block that any big dude should probably be able to get. Um, it was yeah, six, seven foot six. He looks like a two K creative player. Um, but I think all around we got to see the worst Nuggets game of summer league. Um, in that every player that we were hoping played well didn't play all that impressive and have played better games before and since. Um, so like, what is your takeaway about the young guys? I mean, I think Goodwin was by far the most impressive that we saw. Like, it's clear that he can be a point guard. Mm -hmm. I think that he fits in well with what the Nuggets are trying to do. If Morris or Murray goes down, I feel comfortable with him stepping in right now. I know we talked about like, he's not a veteran. And so that worries you. Um, I think Vanderbilt still looks raw. He got six fouls right at the start of the third quarter. He only played half of that time. So it was like six fouls in 10 minutes yeah. for Vanderbilt. And they don't foul out at six fouls. So he got to keep playing and played better after the sixth foul. Like, I think he may have only picked up one or two more fouls after that and sort of <laughs> yeah, just found eight. his groove. <laughs> the course of the game. And then I thought Welsh, who was really one of the only other players we were really watching, was okay. He did a good job on the... Defensive end, he made some nice passes. He doesn't have an offensive game. No. Well, shout out to the Thomas Walsh family. We got to sit by them. They are by far the loudest people there. Um, they were the only Let's Go Nuggets chance in the arena. And one of one of the little girls who was with them had some creative ways to try to get him all the Celtics to not make uh, free throws. She would just wait till the last second, and then she would yell hi really loudly, which was kind of funny the first three or four times. Yeah, I honestly was super annoyed by the end, but it was mostly just because I was watching a not-NBA game in a gym with a bunch of Celtics fans. Um, and you lost money on it. And I lost money. I forgot, yeah, the first and probably last time that I'll bet on sports in the near, anywhere near the near future. Um, but it was... 
interesting looking at the dudes who were at least a known quantity. Yeah, Brandon Goodwin definitely looked like the most NBA-ready player there. Um, but it'll be interesting with our three-point guard depth. Um, each one gets smaller and faster as you go down the depth chart. Um, and I just don't know who uh, – I just don't know if Goodwin – I think Goodwin is an NBA point guard. I don't know if he fits best on the Nuggets. Um, but that will be interesting to see. Uh, two nights ago, I think Jay Vando had a great game. 20 points, 17 rebounds, and he's leading the summer league in rebounds. So although it was clear like his decision-making wasn't the strongest, um, his raw ability is definitely there. Well, and I think, I believe it was uh, Nick Kosmider with The Athletic was just talking about how the buzz around Vanderbilt is similar to the buzz around Morris a year ago, and so he thinks that that shows you that he's ready to be in the NHL, or the NBA because he might be ready to be in the NHL. He would be a beast of a defenseman. <laughs> really tall guys are always interesting. Um, but I think, yeah, I think he's the one that may be able to make the biggest difference. I also thought the UNC guy was pretty good. He was uh, the only other noticeable guy. Yeah, Jordan Davis, yeah. Um, who ended up then having a really bad game the following. Um, yeah, I like him. He seems like you'll kill it in Australia. And we'd love to see you in a couple of years. Um, I was really bummed out that Vlatko Chanchar, a potential uh, small forward from Slovenia, I believe, uh, he just looked way too slow. He has like a decent offensive game. He can hit those threes as a six foot ten dude, but absolutely got burned on the defensive end. Um, in what was an otherwise pretty boring game, he got to be on the receiving end of, of a few big dunks. Um, and he feels like the kind of player that Nuggets fans really want to succeed, and so he's getting more coverage because of that and maybe looked at it a different way because of that. But I agree. I don't, I don't see him making a big difference this year. Yeah. And I think if he makes the team... I guess I'll be surprised if it's not on a two-way contract. Totally. A two-way contract might do well for him, but he seems just like a less polished Wancho, and Nuggets fans love Wancho more than... There's more love for Wancho than there's space to love Vlatko, unfortunately. And I think from the national standpoint, the biggest deal of the game we got to see was just Michael Porter Jr. and Bol Bol being very large, not playing... Um, we got to see them on the sidelines and that was sort of, there was a lot more side line watching than you'd expect because it was like, there were NBA people in the house. Like Doris Burke was calling the game. Uh, Michael Malone was on the other side. Brad Stevens came over and did an interview with Doris and like some people got autographs. The worst signature I have ever seen. It was just to scribble. This guy got on the back of his shirt from Brad Stevens. So yeah, he was super happy about it, but it was not the most impressive Signature certainly not one to say. Oh, Brad si Steven signed this. Is like, um, no, you just accidentally brushed up against a sharpie somewhere. There were some kids behind us that were obsessed with Jamal Murray being in the building and decided they would rather try to follow Murray around the complex than stay and watch the Nuggets Boston game in hopes of getting his autograph. One of the kids, I think this was before you came in, said, "My whole weekend would be made if we got Jamal Murray's autograph." 
Which is fair, because if you're in Las Vegas and not 21, there's nothing to do. A Jamal no. Murray autograph would really um, top it off. Yeah, it was really interesting seeing Jamal walk into the building. It's like, wow, he's the richest person here by far. Um, besides maybe Danny Ainge. No, but even... It's just interesting. He's now our marquee point guard of the future, which is still a thing that we talked about in last podcast that I have yet to wrap my brain fully around, but I'm accepting of the things I cannot fully comprehend. The other thing you were talking about, seeing the jerseys out on the town, we had an interesting conversation with our Uber driver who has a weird parlay that he does. He bets on six games individually and then he takes those six teams and puts them in a parlay and i was like have you won and he said yes the last time i won i won seven thousand dollars and then i put it back into a parlay and lost it all so he like bet the seven thousand dollars on six individual teams and then bet on the parlay again and lost and it's like no wonder this is your life um he also was upset that we didn't think taco fall was going to be the next greatest uh player in the nba so yeah uh, I understand that African pride runs deep, but he just didn't. In our game, he looked like a dude who woke up one day who was seven foot six. Like, damn, what? Um, I could just it was, looked like a tall guy trying to squeeze into an economy class um, seat on an airplane, and that he just didn't see the mobility. But also, shout out to sports gambling, as I just said that I doubt I'll put money on a game in the near future, further down the road, as you said, that could become a big problem. It, I already love watching sports for the like emotional gratification. If there's money on board, too. Well, and the Nuggets basically pretty consistently were 20 to 1 odds everywhere to win the championship, but at Caesars, they were 15 to 1 odds, which is bad for the gambler, but it's interesting just thinking about that. Like, if you said the Nuggets have a 1-15 in 15 chance to win the championship, that feels pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the other thing was, so we did the whole exploration of Vegas. We probably were at 10 hotels. We went to Old Vegas. It was a crammed 36 hours. Yeah, it was. And then we found ourselves at a undisclosed bar. And we sat down at the bar, and the Nuggets coaching staff was sitting right there looking at us like, why are these people wearing Nuggets jerseys here? Yeah, they seemed as surprised as anybody that Nuggets fans were in Vegas. Um, unfortunately, I didn't – I was too busy looking at Wes Unsell Jr. to notice that uh, Coach Malone was just a few seats down from him. And I think at that point we were both wiped out to the point that there was no way we were going to – Go up to them. I have to assume that Coach Malone would have a better signature than Brad Stevens, but um, they just look like such regular dudes. They could blend in so well. And, I mean, I've interviewed Malone a couple of times, but I was in some ways glad that it wasn't George Carl or one of the other coaches that I've interviewed a lot where they, like, might be able to recognize him. Oh, it was, like, yeah. just a guy. <laughs> just a guy in a Jokic shirt. Um, and then – Mark Jackson walked in. It was very, That was the weirdest part. It was just like we were literally in the middle of basketball in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Our hotel at the Luxor was not the pinnacle, but further down, wherever the hell we were. Um, I'm sure there was probably a very important brunch that happened um, earlier that day. So I think my takeaway from Summer League is it's not great as a single event, like going to a single game. I think... I could see if you really wanted to like sort of get the feel of Summer League, go for the whole Summer League, 
commit to going, seeing a lot of games, looking at it like a scout, maybe being like our friend and betting on the games. Yeah. But I think that it's not it's not what you think of as like going to an international game. It's much more like going to almost like a college basketball preseason game where it's like you you just know it's not going to be the best effort from anybody. Um, and I mean, we went to see Porter and maybe Bull, and we didn't get to see that. I think that would have changed it a little bit. Totally, totally. But I think unless the opportunity came where we were just going to go for the whole week, and I'm not sure we would even enjoy that. That's a lot of time in Vegas. <sighs> yeah, that would, I'd spend a lot of money in 36 hours of like five days, dude. So I think that that is our conclusion. It was definitely a summer league, but... There's a reason the NBA is not played there all the time. Yeah, totally. Um, and then the other big Nuggets news. I mean, there's been a ton of news since we last recorded, which was like a week ago. I think. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there was the Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers, which we were both excited about. There was the most recent trade of Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook, sending Russell Westbrook to Houston and Chris Paul out into the universe, and we don't know where he's going to end up. Yeah, well... And also, like, the 15 years' worth of first-round picks that Oklahoma City gets. Um, they don't, yeah, they have every chance of building a super team in 2029. Um, and one of those first-round picks, of course, is the Nuggets, because the Nuggets gave up their first-round pick for Grant. Yeah, uh, Jeremy Grant. Um, a dude who, I think, as an opposing fan, never gave much thought about but now i am so hyped about this human with whom i had almost no opinion of previously um which is always an interesting shift the basketball experts are really into him and like people that maybe pay a little more attention than we do outside of the nuggets this happens to me a lot in the nhl where there'll be a trade and everyone will be like i can't believe that guy's going anywhere and i'm like i've never heard of him before (laughs) like i know he's on the team He's made no impact on my life. And then you're like, have to scramble. Yeah. Um, that was sort of how that Burakovsky trade with Washington was with me with the Avs, where everyone was like, oh, man, like, we love him here in Washington. And it was like, really? He might be like the 11th guy that I've heard of on Washington. And I sort of feel that way about Grant, where he's like the seventh guy I've heard of on the Thunder. Yeah. And now he's like the guy for the Nuggets who's like has a lot of promise on well, I mean, the Ringo just put out an article that he was perhaps the best NBA move in the offseason, which, I mean, such a great clickbait headline given the fact that the NBA, the face of the NBA has changed so quickly in the last two and a half weeks. But he seems to check off every list of what we need as a wing defender, a dude who can shoot from three reliably, um, and... The Nuggets haven't lost anybody besides Trey Lyles. We hardly knew ye. And uh, Leiden. You forgot about Leiden. Oh, Tyler draft day decision Leiden. Um, we did see a few Mitchell jerseys in Vegas, and we were just thinking, like, you know, Utah is now, like, the closest thing to the Nuggets out there. Like, they're, like, neck and neck for this, like, not, like, superstar star squad, but, like, maybe good enough to win. Yeah, And dude. it's like we gave them one of those pieces for Lyles and Leiden who are no longer on the team. Yeah, so we've fully completed our mistake, and we'll get to own that. Um, yeah, shout out. I can't wait to hate Utah more. Um, they've got quite a potent squad, so 
Yeah, the West is going to be a bloodbath, as they normally talk about, but I think more than ever, it there's so much balance with all of the superstar duos now. I mean, LeBron and AD, I still think, take the cake because whew, the, that's going to be a fun team to hate, um, of course. The Clippers, Kawhi and Paul George, and now James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Also, perhaps the most loathsome duo of players you can imagine. And you still have Portland, who will just be hated forever. For Portland? Forever? A hole in my heart. But now Oklahoma City is just like a team, which has not happened since they became the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like yeah. they, you know, had Durant and Westbrook then and sort of built around that. And so now they're just a team. You've done well for yourself, Oklahoma City. I met a dude a couple weeks ago who he just looked too cool to be from OKC. And I was like, what y'all be doing out there? Um, apparently, like, it's a full city with services and um, some type of entertainment. So it'll be really interesting to see how they build from the ground up now as no longer a marquee destination for free agents when, like it was with KD and Westbrook. So that's be interesting. I don't hate OKC. I appreciate it. Just one less team we have to worry about going into the season. I think you hated OKC a couple of years ago when Westbrook had that triple-double and people were going crazy. Oh, yeah. The triple-double game-winning shot to knock the Nuggets out of the playoffs. I mean, I have no love for Westbrook still, um, and certainly now more so with the Thunder, but it's everything is moving so fast at this point. Like, Well, and just for the Thunder, I mean, Robertson should be back, see you buff, and um, – Danilo Gallinari's on their team now, so it's like a team we can like and just be like, oh, that's fun. Yeah, all so right. So I'm excited for that. We also saw former CU buff George King. He played in the Utah game before, and he looks exactly the same as he looked in his five years over four seasons at CU. Um, and it sort of left you wanting more still, and it was like, George, like you're so close. Like It won't take that much, but I don't know that he's going to make that team. Yeah, but I'd like one thing. The worst part about NFL preseason is just watching dudes who, like, you like, oh, I'm a fan, knowing that they probably won't make the team, and that's probably the end of their football career. In the NBA, at least, all the dudes, like George King, probably won't make it on a team, but then he'll go play in Estonia or somewhere and make a little bit of change, Philippines. Um, that That would be an interesting story to follow. It's just like the dudes who are always on the bubble and the different places they find themselves in over the course of a basketball career. And just so everyone knows, if the Nuggets get a top four seed, which I still think we both think is possible, um, a certain 104.3, the fan personality, is going to buy everyone a beer. So you can go check that out if you want to. Really? Yes. Really taking those level shots out of the best team in Denver? It's, you know, the guy that writes the worst articles over there. Yeah. Um. Also, I just want to take a moment to say rest in peace to Orange and Blue 760, which is no more, which mm. never should have been a thing in the first place. But all Broncos all the time has been replaced by Freedom 760, where you can find Rush Limbaugh. So don't miss out on that. <laughs> oh, good. Good God. Um, well, moving from the Nuggets 
Which is interesting. It's their offseason, and it still feels like the most important thing to talk about. Luckily, after this weekend, we should just get a break. Like, it should just be nothing happens for a month. Yeah. But who knows if that'll happen. It, it has been a whirlwind. But how about our now back at 500 Colorado Rockies? Yeah, so the official second half of baseball starts this weekend. The Rockies are facing off three against Cincinnati and then four against the Giants, including a makeup. They need to at least win four. They probably need to win five or six after how bad they finished off before the All-Star break. Um, Kyle Freeland's back in the rotation um, starting Saturday. He had a very rough start to his AAA um, experience, but I would recommend a piece on The Athletic by Nick Groke um, where he talks about how they basically Freeland has five pitches. They made him get rid of three of those pitches while he was in triple a just focus on his fastball and his slider to try to get his command back. Mm. And they feel like he's made a lot of strides there and they've been able to add things back in. But that's sort of where the hope lies was just that the hope is that he was just so out of control. He had no pitches he could go to that now he has reformed himself and we can at least get rookie year Kyle Freeland back where he maybe not quite rookie year. Almost rookie year. I don't know that he's going to almost throw a no-hitter, but like early season Kyle Freeland where he can manage a seven, six to seven inning game um, is sort of what we're hoping for. They need that because Marquez has been inconsistent. Gray has, for the most part, been their best starter over the last month. Their bullpen's been a mess. And then they have Lambert, who's been pitching, and Senzatella, who's been okay, as their other starters. Um it's kind of a mess, and their hitting's been a lot better, but it's sort of fallen off over the last couple of weeks. The All-Stars, you know, were really leading the charge, Blackman, Arenado, Story, and Dahl. Um, Blackman hit a home run in the game, and Story got, a, um, got on base. The American League lost for the seventh year in a row. <laughs> I mean, won. The National League lost for the seventh year in a row, and I feel like the National League's won like three times in my lifetime now. It's just yeah. travesty. Um, but I mean, the Rockies are. The Rockies need to make some moves in the next couple weeks if they're going to contend. The wild card spot is very crowded. The National League is very crowded, mm. except for the Dodgers. And so, if they want one of those two wild card spots, they've got to get some pitching, and they're going to need some of their hitters to carry the weight a little bit more so i would not say we're in a good place with the rockies yeah okay that seemed like as lukewarm as a position that they can be in um because we had our doom and gloom episode when they were three and 12 to start the season and then they've been on a pretty consistent rise up what team do you expect to see at the end of the season is it one that even if they don't make it to the playoffs, has fight? Or is it going to be the team that really never had it together and they were just big pretenders for the last two months? I think that it depends on the next three weeks. Like literally, maybe even the next two weeks. By the end of July, we should know what we have because Mm -hmm. the trade deadline will have passed. We'll have that team. If they are not at least at 500 by then, the season's over. Yeah, like, if they can't even, like, hang in there at 500, they're done, and it's going to be a rough August, September after competing the last two years. Um, I think that, you know, the problem is so many teams are ahead of them, including in their own division. Right now, the wild card standings, hold on, let me pull them up. 
Washington's at 47 and 42. The Phillies are at 47 and 43. Milwaukee's at 47, 44. Arizona's at 46, 45. San Diego's at 45, 45. St. Louis is at 44, 44. And Colorado's at 44 and 45, tied with Pittsburgh. So those are all of the teams you're competing with for two spots. The other divisions are still up in the air. Like, I think that... You know, it's possible. Well, it looks like Atlanta's run up. They're six games up in their division. The Cubs are only .5 games up. So those three central teams, Milwaukee, St. Louis, and Pittsburgh, are also battling for the division. So they're, this is going to be hard. Like, they have played their way down, losing those last five games, at the six games at the end yeah. of the first half was just a mess. The two and four homestand where they beat the Dodgers twice and then lost – Four, including two to Houston, was a mess. Like, it's just, you can't do that, and they're going to have to play better, obviously, in the second half. It's probably going to be, you know, 90 wins, at least, maybe 92 wins to get a wild card spot. Mm. So they need to be eight games above 500, and they're one game below 500 right now. So they got to go plus 11 probably the rest of the way to make the, make the postseason. And that's probably maybe is the second wild card spot. Yeah. Well, I mean, if... The pitching can get settled, and they get more consistent with the offense, then they're a hard-to-beat team. I think we've seen enough to know that at least, but that does require several things to come together. I'm Looking at Ian Desmond's batting average, I feel is a great bellwether for the rest of the team because if Ian Desmond can continue raking, that means there's other people who are at least getting on base – um, but he's, I think he was 4-0 in five of those six games. So his batting slump, weirdly a dude who at the beginning of the season I thought was at the, on the bubble has like really helped step up to keep the team afloat and then sometimes actually driving home wins. So it it's not wrong to want to rely on your all-stars. You've got four dudes in the all-star game. That should be enough to get you into a wild card spot. But really, yo, baby Freeland, welcome home. We really hope that he got fixed, whatever that was. You're feeling good and ready to throw some heat. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing you can say about this team is they've had much better offense. If they had this offense last year, they probably win the division. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, this is if they don't make the playoffs this year, this is year one of three for keeping Arenado because he can opt out after three years. Mm-hmm. And this would be a failure. You're looking at needing to make the playoffs in advance in one of those next two years probably to keep him. Um, and so, and that's like a deep run. Yeah. I mean, that's winning a series. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's not, it's not a great time for the Rockies, but luckily for the Rockies, Broncos training camp got moved up a week because of the (laughs) hall of fame game. So it starts next week. So if the Rockies are going to bury their heads in the sand and lose from here on out, at least a lot of people will be distracted. Yeah, exactly. Sad ones here. We'll just get to watch. Broncos preseason, and it was really interesting. We had summer league, a bunch of Boston fans, and the dude we were sitting next to is from North Dakota, who is a Celtics fan for some reason, but he's also a big Bronco fan. And he asked me, he's like, how do y'all feel about Flacco? And that was an important reminder that Joe Flacco is quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Things 
Life comes at you real fast, man. Um, and most of the news has been since the draft is that Flacco is definitely going to be the starter to the point that we don't even need to think about Drew Locke for any reason. But I didn't even get a, a good answer from him. It's like, how do we feel about this team headed into a season that starts in, what, a month and a half? Yeah, I think that we don't know. It's one of those situations where it could go a lot of ways. I think if you think that Vance Joseph cost them a couple games last year, maybe you're looking at a 10-6 and six playoff team. If you don't think that, that it was mainly Vance Joseph's fault, are we looking at a 6-10 and 10 team? We're looking at an 8-8 eight and eight team. What does Flacco still have left? Because they didn't think he had anything left in Baltimore. Um, I, there are a lot of questions. They're not going to be solved in the next five preseason games. Um, and I think the thing to watch now, just so everyone knows, is who will be the first person to write, should Drew Locke be the starter? When will the first Locke chant happen in preseason? The Broncos' <laughs> two home games are the last two games, so when does that happen? And what do things look like to start the season? How long of a leash do we think Flacco has? Has the defense gelled again under Vic Fangio? And have any of the offensive weapons developed beyond last year? Because they need the receivers to get better. And maybe is Emmanuel Sanders still on this team? I think that that's still up in the air um, come week one. So those are the things to watch for in training camp. And you can get all that coverage with everybody else because we are not going to be the ones that have like the minute by minute updates. Yeah, all right. I'm sure there's a few radio stations who have don't even realize that Broncos aren't playing every yeah. Sunday. Um, but for us, we will definitely have updates once the training camp starts and then moving into preseason, which is always an exciting time um, as a sports fan. But any other pieces? I don't think so. Enjoy that weather out there. Um, this is hopefully not going to be the slowest part of the year. Hopefully the Rockies are going to get together, but if they uh, cool off, we're like, I think we saw, who. what was it? We're 89 days away from opening night for the for the Avalanche, and then right behind that, the Nuggets. So 88 days. It's happened in less than three months. Whew. Whole lot changes real fast, but if you don't have any, if the Rockies don't do anything, at least you can get outside the mountains right now. Um, we're out of a drought, y'all. Go enjoy the outdoors. Hop on a river raft and float down some Class A rapids. <laughs>